content king. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the true Jordan? You're, <laughs> You're gonna decide that, are you? What the fuck is wrong with it? <laughs> you know how they play. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back to the True Geordie podcast. Today's guest is the conspiracy researcher, Mr. David Ike. Welcome back, mate. Thanks, Brian. I was watching lots of clips in preparation for this. It was a really interesting one. 1996, where you were talking about one day we would be microchipped or... Now we've got phones, so they don't need to put microchips on us, where we would get notifications saying you've got to get your vaccine. And if you don't, you're a bad parent. And it was it was quite ironic just uh, seeing a lot of the things that you've said over the years and how close it is to our now reality. And obviously since then, you have been banned from how many countries? 27 European countries and Australia, although... Um the 27 countries are in what's called the Schengen system in Europe, which is kind of a common border system. So if you're banned from one, you're banned from all of them. So uh, I was banned from the Netherlands, so I'm banned from all of them. But there's other countries like North America and others that use the Schengen criteria as uh, whether they let you in or not. Mm. And uh, so I'm probably banned from a lot more than that. I mean, I was banned from... Uh, YouTube back in uh, the spring of 2020 and, and and Facebook and all these things. And what you can do is you can go into victim mode or you can say, you're just confirming I'm over the target. Because if I was uh, crazy, if what I was saying had no validity whatsoever and could be shown to be so, then you wouldn't be frightened of me at all. And it is fear, you know, you, do you know anyone who's, confident and secure in and of themselves who wants to censor anybody. No, no, they're quite happy for an open debate and free flow of information because they're confident that what they're saying will stand up to that scrutiny. People who want to censor you are those that know their narrative won't. <laughs> Is there any official explanation been given or no? Yeah, I'm a level three terrorist threat. Me. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? Is after the last podcast, uh, when I had you on a good few years back now, uh, I had an uh, uh, email sent from the building that we did it in that said uh, I wasn't allowed to have extremists in the building. Now, genuinely, and I, I, I read this and I thought, bloody hell, like little old David Icke, who, you know, is not going to harm anyone, you know, you know, you're not a threat. And, and it, it really. It did shock me, you know, that that would even be a thing. But it's really interesting because one of the things I focus on is perception. If you can control perception, you control behavior. You've just given a great example of it. Yeah. Uh, because we behave as we do, because we perceive as we do, and we perceive as we do because we believe as we do, and we believe as we do because of the information through which we form our perceptions. Again, we come back to censorship. That's what it's really about. Mm. If you can dominate the narrative so people are only hearing one, one uh, angle of the story or one version of the story, then you are going to dictate the perceptions of vast numbers of people who haven't had any other mm. angle to consider as another possibility for this, whatever's going on, or this person, especially when you're dealing with a population 
that in vast, vast numbers questions nothing. Mm. How do you know that? Saw it on the news. How did they know that? You know, oh, I saw a Facebook post. Well, but how did they know that? So what happens in terms of me, and you've just given a wonderful example of it, like I say, is all this um, version of me goes out. Like in in, uh, the Netherlands, what happened was I was invited to go to Amsterdam to speak at a peace rally, (laughs) right, in the center of Amsterdam on one Sunday for about 20 minutes, half an hour, that was it. And when I did, all bloody hell broke loose in the system. Uh-huh. The um, so-called Minister of Justice uh, said, uh, use parliamentary privilege to call me a Jew hater and all that stuff. And it was a Jewish guy that invited me. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um yeah, friend of Michael Mordecai. That, that is that is a common thing that's oh, been yeah, uh, thrown at, at you. Can you can you kind of explain why they say? Yeah, that? I will because it, it it actually comes from what I'm about to say. Mm. So what happened then is the mainstream media, which is basically owned by the same people that own the government, um, they spent three weeks uh, in program after program, paper after paper, day after day, demonising me as some kind of uh, Jew hater. And, of course, what happened was vast numbers of people in the Netherlands believed that I hated Jewish people, not because I do, but because they've been told I do and they didn't question it. And this is what goes through people's mind. Well, they're all saying it. Yeah, they are all saying it because they ultimately are controlled by the same force. So people what, are also very easily brainwashed. Right? Oh, yeah, exactly yeah. through this same, 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 uh, this same process. Mm-hmm. So you get the perception, you get the behaviour. So the perception of me through systematic, it is systematic demonization. Because if you can't um, demonize someone for what they're saying, you demonize them on the basis of what they're not saying. Say, say the Holocaust in Germany, right? When I say the Holocaust in Germany, uh, great numbers of people, they get, I do a bit, to be honest, they get something here. It's, it's like an instinctive emotional horror response, right? Mm. So if you're going to demonize someone, you want to connect people's perception of that person with this instinctive negative feeling outrageously um extreme negative feeling that comes from that association so you say they're a holocaust denier you say they're anti-jewish and all this and and in this um current situation with the netherlands with um, not the netherlands um israel and um and gaza uh, it's i'm the one who's been saying what happened to the jewish civilians was a grotesque beyond words. And what's happening to the Gaza civilians is grotesque beyond words. In other words, you're not um, coming from a point of view of you are this group, this culture, this belief system, so I'm against you, and you're this belief system, whatever, because I'm for you. I'm, I'm, I'm making judgments all the time on, again, this this process. Individual moment. Perception becomes behavior. Mm. It's not even what people think. It's what they do. What are they doing? 
Um, and so um, the way I'm uh, portrayed as this anti this group, anti that group is absolutely the opposite of what I am. But how do you demonize someone who's saying, I'm looking at people's behavior. I'm not looking at their culture. I'm not looking at their religious belief. I'm looking at their behavior. And this group within that religious belief, they seem to be very nice people. That group, horrendous. This group that's opposing that group, most of those people, very nice people. That group, horrendous. What they've done is they've taken that out of context and yeah. said, you don't like all of those Exactly. People. There's two mentalities, perceptions, that have been responsible for every tyranny in history. Fascist tyranny, communist tyranny, any tyranny. Mentality number one is that you believe what authority tells you without question and therefore behave on the basis of what you believe. Okay. I mean, look at, look at COVID. They went under house arrest behavior because their perception was there's a deadly virus in circulation. Then there's mentality number two. And that one says, I'm not sure I'm buying all this, you know. Um, well, like we're, we're, we're masked up in Asda, uh, but yeah, I can't go to work. Yeah, you know, like the, the like it was in yeah. that the whole thing didn't add up. And yeah. I think people who are critical think thinkers could pick that apart. Yeah, but some of them didn't want to risk it because they love their family and well, you they see, get you. Yeah, but there's another thing is that you 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 you've picked up on on on, on what the inconsistencies. I, what I'm going to say, mentality number two says, I don't really buy it, but. What are the consequences for me of not doing what I'm told? Mm. So they do it. So number one does it, believes it without question. Number two group does it because they fear not doing it. And then you've got the third group, which is now getting bigger, hallelujah, um, as a result of COVID and what's happened since. And that group says, I don't buy it. And I'm not freaking having it. I'm not doing it. That's the group, this third group that says, no, not cooperating with my own enslavement, my enslavement of my kids and grandkids, not doing it. And that's the group, if you look back, that has ended every tyranny in history. The whole woke uh, culture. Um, Silencing is, people by shame. Yeah. yeah. Is... Uh, it's taking away the masculinity yeah. of so many men. Um, and because, you know, they don't want that third mentality going, we're not having it. Enough is enough. Yeah. You, 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 you want to um, put them in the first two groups because then they're no problem to you. Why are sperm counts falling, testosterone counts falling? Why, when they started targeting the men, Toxic masculinity. Did I say they'll come for the women next? And they are. Um, why are we having this uh, explosion of transgender ideology taking over the schools, government uh, agencies, the media, all of it? Um, why did so many people all over the world miraculously have the same idea? What we're going to do, I've got, a, I've got a great idea. What we're going to do is we're going to get drag queens to go into schools and go into libraries. And first of all, we'll get in there because they're going to read them stories. 
and then we're going to get them to strut their stuff, which is where we are we are now. <clears throat> so let's put that into a, a big picture context. What I've been writing about for uh, uh, so long um, connects into something that Aldous Huxley wrote in his book Brave New World. Now, what Huxley talked about was the coming time when they would create the no-gender human, not the transgender human, ladies and gentlemen, the no-gender human. Let's say the bodies that we have now, we'll call them um, human 1.0. That's the the biological body of which there's a vastly greater amount to know. I hope we get into that. Um, what they want is human 2.0, which will not be able to procreate. It will be procreated uh, technologically. So you want to move from there to there. And this is one of the key reasons, there are many, one of the key reasons why the COVID fake vaccine, which is not even a vaccine under previous criteria, contains synthetic genetic material, mRNA, and why they want to move all the other vaccines to the mRNA system. Because what they're they're doing is they're changing the nature of human, the human body. And this is why you you see uh, brave doctors who have a bit of backbone, um, who have looked into the, the, the blood of uh, fake vaccinated people and they see these nanotechnologies forming um, self-replicating systems in the, in the blood. If you're going to do something, uh, quote, physically, and you're going to change something physically in term, pe- terms of how things are, you've, you've first got to start changing things perceptually to prepare them for that. So... This is what the is transgender like the, thing. The tiptoe theory that this, you've always Yeah, liked. what I call the, the totalitarian tiptoe. You go step by step. You go from A to B to C and on. And Because when you're saying all this, it is mind-blowing for like anyone. But like you say, it's like, but when you get to point Z, yeah. you look back at how they jump from point A to D to G. It's, it's never going to be one big jump and we all wake up the next morning. Well, of course, COVID let, let them have, have a, a big jump, but they were mm. able to do that because of the perception of the people of why the big jump was necessary. But you're, you're, you're right. So what they do is they go from A to B and onwards. But, but they know here, A, they know where, they know that Z is where they're going. Mm. But they don't want the public to know, so they keep that from them, obviously, and they keep it in this global cult uh, secret society network I'll come to. So um, the, uh, the, the NZ in this subject we're talking about now is the no procreating human 2.0. And by the time that happens, we're going to be gone. So who's going to be there now? Who are going to be the adults? Ah, the kids and the young. So that's why they're being focused and targeted upon. So we've gone from this, when I was growing up in the 1950s, from this, this clear perception of biology and sex. There's a male and there's a female. Um, and you've got to scramble that because that's human 1.0. It ain't human 2.0. You've got to scramble that. And so you had this transgender, and I have this phrase, if something comes out of nowhere and is suddenly everywhere, someone's pressed another button on the next stage of the of the of the, the plan. You set out to confuse perception, set out to confuse the perception of gender among the young. So if you want to confuse a little kid on gender, 
What better way than a bloke with a beard with a dress on, right? <laughs> a, a drag queen. What, what better way of doing it? That's why they're doing it, ladies and gentlemen. It's to scramble the perception of gender because you are confusing gender on the road to fusing gender. And that's why the BBC uh, claims that there are uh, as many as a 100 different genders. I mean, don't be freaking stupid. Oh, sorry, you are being. It, it, it's all perceptual manipulation. And, of course, you know, when you, you think of a pyramid, a hierarchical pyramid, um, it comes from the top and you come down not many steps from the top of the pyramid and people have no idea that there's an agenda coming down. They're just doing what they're told to do. And so you check, but by, by controlling the peak of the pyramid, you are dictating, uh, the whole, um, way that society changes through people that have no idea why they're being told to do what they're doing, but they're just doing it. So suddenly everything's transgender and corporations take over uh, uh, the whole... You, you say, for example, when, um, you know, they have certain months and, and on Twitter, every big company changes to a rainbow flag yeah. logo. And, and not that I have a problem with it, obviously, but it, it's very much a collective response yeah. to what people are telling that's, them to that, do. That, that's how it works. Mm. For instance, on that be, on that. Uh, subject, there's uh, there's a series of um, quote investment companies uh, that have like ten trillion dollars uh, worth of investments in companies. Uh, one of them is called BlackRock. The biggest one's called BlackRock. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, and Larry Fink, who's the CEO of BlackRock, has openly talked about the fact that he uses the investments of BlackRock in companies, major major companies to influence their their policy on things like quote climate change another freaking hoax and uh, and on on transgender and stuff and so um y- you you have this one company there are others like vanguard and mm-hmm. uh, fidelity investments and, and and state street and others but blackrock's the biggest one and they invest in companies vast vast numbers of companies major ones that influence perception again and then they start to dictate policy. And because they're invested in so many uh, uh, companies, exactly what you're talking about happens. There is this uniform response. response. Uh, and and you, you've got um, people who in, in the general population are going, we don't, we don't want this. It's a bit over the top in it. It doesn't matter. It still goes on because. But if you say that out loud though, then look, um, Again, I'm not saying I've got a problem with it, but if anyone does challenge the, the narrative in any way that's being put to us, you're seen as a bigot or a hater, or if you have a problem with your children being in a situation like that, you're shamed as out of order and you're against a certain group of people. Yeah. You haven't got the right to tell your own children what you know environment you want them to be in because the government actually have that right, apparently. Yeah, but that that's why I'm demonized. That's why I'm demonized. I am the easiest person in the world to demonize because I refuse to say anything I don't believe. People can argue about whether they accept what I say or whatever. That's irrelevant. I I will not say something I don't believe to be true. Mm-hmm. 
So um, when it comes to trans, I don't know if pe- people want if people want to be transgender, you know, if if they want to um, identify as an igloo, it's none of my bloody business. It's their business. The problem is when they seek to impose their view, their perception, their belief system on everyone else. That's when I get interested. But um, it, it doesn't feel like a lot of, the, from my experience anyway, it's 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 the higher ups that are doing that rather than regular people who are living their lives. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And this, this woke mentality is the creation of this global cult. Imagine um, a spider's web around the, the planet and each strand in the web is a secret society, a semi-secret group or organizations we see in the public arena like Governments, government agencies, banking system, corporations, and so on, Silicon Valley, World Health Organization. And in the center of the web is what I call the spider. And the spider goes out of the human world. And now around the spider, the immediate strands around the spider, they're the most exclusive secret societies. You probably will have never have heard of people that are in them. It's very, very um, out of the public domain. But you come out from the spider and now you're hitting, um, still in the hidden, but you're hitting secret societies we do know about. You're hitting the Freemasons, not Bill and Joe down the lodge, the inner core, which Bill and Joe down the lodge help to obscure because there's so many of them. Um, It's the inner core that actually know the deal. And then you've got the Knights Templar, the Knights of Malta, Opus Dei, uh, the inner core of the Jesuit order, the Skull and Bone Society in America that's produced so many uh, presidents and major figures in these, America. These are like the societies we see in, on Da Vinci Code. Those sort of things, yeah. yeah. The Da Vinci Code was was very, very mild, to mm. say the least, um, but uh, especially the, the film version. But that's the principle. Um, um, um what happens is that these secret societies, while they are compartmentalized, because they all have, like, look at the Freemasons, you have levels of degree. What is that? Levels of knowledge. Uh, but at the inner core of these um, secret societies, they basically fuse into into a, an, the one inner core. Um, and so you're coming out now, and this spider agenda for the world, the nature of the spider will come to, is coming out through the hidden. And then you reach a point in the uh, in the web that I call the cusp. That's where the hidden meets the scene. And at this point, you have organizations um, whose role it is to take the je- agenda from the hidden and play it out in the scene. This is where the World Economic Forum of Klaus Schwab sits. It's where the Bilderberg um, Group sits, where the Trilateral Commission sits. Uh, the Trilateral Commission member, uh, Sakir Starmer. Um, you have the Council on Foreign Relations in America and so on. You have the United Nations, which was created by this, this cult. Um, and you have... The Club of Rome in this cusp. The Club of Rome was created by this cult in uh, 1968 specifically to exploit concerns about the environment to justify centralization of power and a global dystopia. Hello, these organizations have a point within them, their controlling core, 
which all attach to this web. And at that level, they're all the same organization pushing the same agenda. Whereas people, the vast majority of people within them think that they're just individual organizations. So this starts to explain a few things. For instance, when the World Health Organization announced the COVID narrative, load of rubbish shown to be now, but they, they announced the narrative. Silicon Valley corporations like Facebook and, uh, and Google, Google owned YouTube, they started censoring and were openly saying, we're going to censor anyone that challenges, exposes uh, the World Health Organization narrative. I got thrown off for doing that, uh, all those uh, things in uh, the spring of 2020. So why would they do that? Because the World Health Organization is a creation of the cult. The Silicon Valley major platforms are creations of the cult. And what you've got is the cult defending the narrative of the cult so that other narratives that would give people a different view of what was going on um, are not heard. And then you go to Big Pharma. I've said already that was the creation of not least of the Rockefeller family. Big Pharma in the form of um, Pfizer and uh, Moderna, they go to these drug regulatory agencies and they say, uh, we want permission to roll out a fake vaccine that we've not trialed or tested and we want to do it to younger and younger and younger kids. Again and again, over and over and over again, you know if you've done any research, they're going to get permission, and they do. Even Why? though, statistically, the children were the least at risk. Yeah. Even by the official narrative. Even, even by the official by narrative. By their narrative, it didn't add up. Exactly. Yeah. So what's happening is Big Pharma, owned by the cult, created by the cult, is asking drug regulatory agencies owned by the cult with cult operatives in positions of power and, and gophers like Drew Rain for permission to use uh, the jab, which is the cult agenda. And the reason there was no pushback from the regulatory agencies is they were controlled by the same force, ultimately, that controls Big Pharma. This is how it works. In Britain, there is a vaccine committee that advises the the government on whether to use the vaccine. Um, you know members of the committee because they're walking around with a with a rubber stamp which says yes on it, <laughs> right? Um, but there was one time, one time only, if you remember, uh, I think it was 12 to 15-year-olds. They wanted to uh, give permission to fake vaccinate 12 to 15-year-olds. And this committee only once said, um, we don't recommend that in healthy 12 to 15-year-olds. Big, deep breath, panic. We're not going to get what we want. Oh, we are. We can't go against them on medical grounds because they're supposed to be advising us on medical grounds. How can we do it? I know. Where's Chris Whitty? So Chris Whitty, the uh, chief medical officer of the UK government, is pulled in. And he's given the brief with other chief medical officers in Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales to um, have a discussion and give their recommendations on whether actually for other reasons, other reasons, not medical reasons, uh, 12 to 15 year olds should have the fake vaccine, even if they're healthy. And uh, staggered, staggered as I was, he decided that they could have it on the grounds of... Well, it's their education we're worried about. Oh, that education you shut off, Witty. 
with the with the lockdowns, right? That one. And so they got what they wanted again. It was it's like this cult has an agenda, and when there's any pushback, they get around it somehow. And uh, that's why being streetwise about how it works is absolutely fundamental to understanding actually what you're looking at. It's not Chris Whitty independently deciding he cares about the uh, education of the children he couldn't care less about before. It's Chris sort it, mate, sort it, and he sorts it. And, and, and the cult gets what it wants. And, and across the great spectrum of human life, that is what is going on. I remember when you were talking um, in some of your older talks about ancient history. And, and since then, some other people have brought information to light about how the pyramids aren't you know, as old as what we've been told and there's gaps in um, ancient history that are unexplained. And I remember you talking back in the day about, um, you know, have have we been touched by aliens, essentially, like g- genetically uh, in the Anunnaki and all of that. So can you talk a little bit more for people who haven't heard uh, these sort of theories? Um, because I think it's fascinating to think about now, especially when we've got pilots testifying that they've seen aliens and that we've got alien bodies and and just what the ancient uh, symbol- symbolism was and stuff like that. Yeah, well, in the early years of the 1990s, I was putting together this 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 cult network that I've just described. But then you think, well, when did it start then? Because mm-hmm. there has to be mention of this in the ancient world. There has to be. Have you have you seen the hieroglyphics where there's basically flying saucers in Egypt? Yeah, they're, 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 you know, they're very compelling, you know, and, and you know, th- there is this idea that history um, means that human technological um, advancement only goes one way. Well, the uh, people that built the pyramids ain't the people that couldn't build them now, right? So, it, you know, it, 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 once you realize yeah. that, that, that there, are, there, there, there can be advancements of history and then something can happen, maybe a global cataclysm of which there absolutely is in the geological and biological record of the earth that those things have happened, um, then it disappears. You imagine this 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 world now, and there's no oil, there's no energy, um, there's no coordination, there's no internet, there's nothing. Within a matter of days, never mind weeks, you're going to be going back um, from a so-called uh, advanced society very, very quickly. And then you go over what we call thousands of years, because, you know, what is time if you get deeper into it? Um, and suddenly you're going to have generations being born that have no memory or concept of the pre-cataclysmic world, think Great Flood, for instance, and and they're going to laugh at the idea that at one point um, the world was more technologically advanced than it is now. When you talk about the pyramids, that really blew me away when you learn how heavy the stones are within the pyramids and how high up they go, and you're thinking, okay, in order to do this, the machines would have had to have been involved to, to make it. Yeah. But there are no machines left. And if if you have stones that high up, well, the machines should still be there too. They, they couldn't have just gone. Yeah. And it, it really is a mystery, that whole well, thing. If we, if, we get, if we get later into the nature of reality, um, 
uh, uh, what is possible becomes very clear because, you know, we talk about heavy stones and on the level that we interact with them, that's how they appear. But actually, th- there, there is no physical. That's, that's part of the great, the, the big illusion. And the precision of which they were built in yeah. terms of to north. That's um, unbelievable. You know, it, 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 it's it unbelievable. beggars belief. Yeah. Have you been to the, to the pyramids? I haven't, no. I've been, I've been a couple of times and, and you know, you, you sort of stand there in awe that, um, of, of, of how they were built. And they're also not made for humans to be inside, apparently. Like in terms of, they've put stairs in there so you can walk, but, but, they're not, they, they weren't purpose built. No. We've had to put the stairs in there to work our way around exactly. there. Exactly. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, th- there's part of the, the Great Pyramid where you have to go on your hands and knees for yeah. a little tunnel to get to, to, get to the, the <laughs> yeah. local king's chamber. Um, yeah. And uh, so, but, but I have my own theory about um, how the pyramids were built. Um, I, I think that what happened is they built these, um, these slanted kind of, um, uh, roadways, right? And these slaves were pulling these um, these stones up, and then somehow they were lifting them and putting them into place. And then as they went higher, they had to they had to build another steeper kind of ramp. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, you're a professor of history, right? Yeah. What do you think happens? Well, I think they had these ramps. Oh my god! I seen Graham Hancock say, "Well, it would have had to have been a fucking big ramp, and if it was, <laughs> and if it was a ramp, it would have had to have been bigger for the counterweight than the actual pyramids themselves, uh, and therefore it should still be there." Yeah, it's, it, a, it's it, a freaking joke. Yeah, it doesn't make any. And the the dating on the the water markings, none of it adds up to the time period that they yeah, said it did. I know, and and it's like you know. This is one thing, uh, uh, people, stop believing that experts are expert because most of them ain't got a bloody clue. Mm-hmm. They're just repeating what they've told, they've told to repeat because if they don't repeat it, they won't be considered an expert anymore. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's all about career. It's not about truth. But um, so um, when I started looking around these different ancient cultures and, and religions, you know, one of the things that strikes me as I as I've researched this over the years is not how things are so different, but it's the things that people agree on. It's the things that are the same. I'm always looking for patterns of of, of agreement over the, mm. the you know the eons of what we call time, and you find whether you're looking at religions or whether you're looking at um, ancient cultures, mm-hmm. you'll find there is this agreement. This reality, this world we call human, is manipulated from the unseen. These are the pantheons of gods, like the Greek gods and all these other gods that that, that people worship but can't see. According to mainstream science, the electromagnetic spectrum, which is basically our reality, is 0.005% of what exists in energy in all its forms in the universe. 0.005%. 0.005%. Some say it's as high as 0.5%. Doesn't matter. Tiny. Visible light, which is the only band of frequency we could see, is a smear, a fraction of the 0.005%. So we are basically blind, right? It's very hard for people to accept that, though. It's it's easy to say to them, Wi-Fi is in this room right now, but you can't see it. Yeah. But people can't really wrap their head around what no, you're saying. But if, if they, if they want to understand the world, they need to wrap their head around it because so many things they are waving away as impossible. This uh, explains why they're not. When something um, is operating outside of visible light, 
say it's a UFO or an entity, when it enters visible light, to the observer, it's come out of nowhere. It hasn't, but it's come into your uh visual reality out of nowhere. And when it leaves, it's gone out of your visual reality. I, st- I started looking at this and, and, and doing all the uh, ancient cultures and the religions. And you find this theme of a non-human force with negative intent on humanity that is manipulating our world from the unseen. So if you look at Christianity, they have the devil and Satan. That's their name for this uh, force collectively. And they talk about demons. Then you look at Islam. Now, Islam, of course, is completely different from Christianity. Of course, it is so people think. But actually, there are big areas of agreement. And one of them is the jinn. And the jinn are, are a uh, considered to be a force in the hidden that manipulate human society. And their collective name for the, the ruler of the jinn Christian, Satan. Islam, Shaitan, or Iblis. Then you look at um, the Gnostic uh, belief system, and there were um, uh, documents found, like um, ancient documents, found at a place called Nagamadi in Egypt, which is about 75, 80 miles north of Luxor, um, on the side of the Nile. And in 1945, they found an earthen jar that they estimate uh, these documents were placed in around 400 AD, but the um, content of the documents goes further back. And a fifth of these documents, they're known as the Nagamadi Library now, are describing a non-human force manipulating humanity from the hidden, which they call archons which in Greek means rulers. See why they called them that. And their devil figure and Shaitan Iblis figure is called the Demiurge or Yoldabaoth. Then I, I talked to the great Zulu shaman uh, Kredo Mutwa in South uh, Africa, spent days and days talking to him, who describes their legends and accounts of a non-human force manipulating human society, which they say took a reptilian um, a reptilian form. And all around the world, you pick up this same theme. Um, and then um, as I was investigating, uh, because if you, if, you, if you go back in, a, in what we call ancient history, the ancients were doing sacrificial rituals to these gods, right? And... Um, they were sacrificing, particularly children, the reason for that. Uh, there was actually to, one found recently, the frozen girl. Yeah. She was a sacrifice that, that 13,000 years old or whatever. I can't remember how long. Yeah, but what they what they did um, <clears throat> was they in those days, because uh, it was acceptable, mm. God knows why, they did it openly, right? And, and, and it was um, a sacrifice to the gods. And I'll come to this in a second, but my question was, so what do the freaking gods get out of it then? Well, I now understand. And then I'm investigating these rich and famous billionaires of today who are players in this cult. And again and again and again, I'm led into Satanism and pedophilia. Those two are absolutely connected um, for reasons I explain in the books. And 
what are these bloody billionaires doing satanic ritual sacrifices to to their version of the gods, right? It's just like you, the old god where we've seen the footage that Alex Jones took. Yeah, in uh, Bohemian Grove. Yeah, we, stuff. George yeah. Bush and all of them were there. Al Gore was there. They're, they're doing it to the same gods, right? They're same freaking entities that the ancients were doing the sacrifices to and were terrified of. These people today are doing the sacrifices to in the cult. Um, and I've talked to people all over the world um, over the decades. I've been doing this a long time. Um, 34 years I'm, I've been doing it now, no, coming up 34 years. And I've met Satanists and people that took part in rituals against their will who have, have told me of their experiences. And they, these are major, major players like the royal family, British royal family, Dutch royal family, all that stuff, all major players in this, um, in this uh, satanic uh, ritual um, culture. Um, and so then I asked that question I, I mentioned a few minutes ago. Oh, so what do the gods get out of it? I take you back to the first Matrix movie and the Morpheus character holds up a battery and he says, the Matrix is a computer-generated dream world designed to turn humans into one of these, a battery. And that's when uh, a massive understanding started to, uh, started to come to me from many different sources, which I talk about in the books. These quote, gods, these entities are feeding off human energy, but it's a particular type of human energy. Um, this is mainstream science. Again, every time we feel emotion, every time we think, we're generating frequencies. And those frequencies, in terms of what the frequencies are, relate to the nature of the emotion and the nature of the thought. And scientists have worked out what these frequencies are for different emotions, right? And uh, Is that like when you go into a room and you kind of feel like, oh, there's a, a bad energy in here? Yeah. You know that, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if, if you go into a, like an, an old house where there's been a lot of um, really bad things gone on, mm. see, w when the bad things are going on, the people involved in the bad things are giving off that vibe. And unless someone goes into that house and changes the frequency, they sit there vibrating so you go into it and you think oh this is horrible god because you're picking the vibe up mm -hmm. right so this is these are the energies i'm talking about so these entities by their very nature um are very low vibrational in nature because anyone that wants to impose their will and manipulate and cause suffering and war and death and destruction is in a very low vibrational state and if they're going to feed off human energy, they can only feed off it if we are delivering it within the band of frequency they can absorb. Because um, otherwise, if we were uh, in a world of love and joy and happiness and peace, then we'd be giving off frequencies, yes, but much higher, more expanded frequencies, and they wouldn't be able to absorb them, like radio stations in the old analog system sharing the same space but not interfering with each other because they're on different wavelengths. To give off the frequencies that they can absorb, we have to be in fear, anxiety, depression, resentment, regret, They must have had a field deal for COVID. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
Brian, look at what's happening as we speak in uh, uh, Israel, Gaza. Mm -hmm. Look what's happening in Ukraine. Look what happened in the First World War, Second World War. Look what they planned for the Third World War. And it's just an absolute explosion of low vibrational, emotional, particularly emotional, but mental too, energy, which they're feeding off. Now we can start to understand what the gods get out of human sacrifice. You know what you say the gods, though? Because obviously, like, I've spoken to many different religious people at this point, Now I've interviewed so many people. Take the, the Jehovah's Witness theory, for example, which is there was a, a good god, cast down Satan, said, okay, you're now, you can now rule the earth and see how you do it better. Is there still, do you believe that there's still the good gods out or do you think well, that they're actually demonic entities that are extremely bloody stupid and are desperate to keep this this uh, whole deal going because we are their sustenance we are their energetic uh, um, source but do you believe in for example that Jesus has like a positive influence a positive force yeah uh, of course um, what I call um, the all that is has been and ever can be uh, which is beyond what is this is a simulation, and there are other levels of it um, which we can discuss. But outside of that simulation is infinity. And um, that's a completely different, utterly different reality to, to what we're experiencing here. This is a trap. You know, it's not about going to hell. This is what they call hell. Yeah, that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses said. Like, well, we, we're in hell. And only, you know, when you describe those positive uh, feelings that people can have, only when uh, this comes to an end will there be that. Well, this is what the Gnostics said that I talked about in the Nagamadi text. Mm. They are, they are described, I mean, the Gnostics were the people behind the great library of Alexandria in, in, in Egypt, and, and, and they connect back into the big names of, um, of Greece, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, are, they were saying the same, exactly the same. This, this is what the Gnostics said is that this reality we call human is a bad copy of another reality, a prime reality. Like Adam and Eve's. Well, yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. I mentioned that in the dream. Mm. Um, look at um, look at Adam and Eve, and they fell from paradise. Well, th- that absolutely, from my research over the years, could be falling out of prime reality and fi- infinite reality into this trap. It's a trap um, uh, to hold consciousness in a trap of perception so i talked earlier about you've got the uh, uh, censorship going on here uh, to manipulate perception but the bigger picture is that this whole freaking reality we think we're experiencing is a perceptual um illusion and i can explain how it works uh as well so um, the perceptual delusion of humanity expands to um, the very reality we think we're experiencing, which is nothing like we are experiencing it as. And it's also keeping from us the nature of the true eye, which is consciousness. We are an infinite uh, state of consciousness, part of one 
infinite uh, consciousness, which I call the all that is, has been, and ever can be. And to a five-sense perception, nothing can be all that is, has been, and ever can be. But it can if what I'm describing is all possibility and all potential. It's people's imagination and comprehension of that is so limited to you can't accept it. Yeah, but there's 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 a reason why that is as well. But more and more people are starting to go here. I mean, I've been staggered, especially since COVID, the number of people that have started not just to see the the cult level of manipulation, but actually are starting to realize that um There's gotta be something more to this. That 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 this is much bigger than 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 what it appears to be. Um, and, and what another thing that people are seeing is that this agenda that's more and more obviously unfolding is an anti-human agenda. They're, they, these, th- this cult is seeking to hijack and control, um, sources of food, sources of water, sources of energy, um, sources of freedom. And they are, um, seeking to control everything that humans need to survive. And if they hijack those, which they're doing obviously now more and more blatantly, Uh then we as a human population become dependent upon them for the basics of life and what you are dependent upon controls you. This is why, why it's being done. But as, if, if I was saying earlier, um, th- this um, understanding that these the entities um, that, that actually created this simulation are feeding off low vibrational human energy, you, you, you understand what the sacrifices are about mm-hmm. and why they're doing the same sacrificial rituals now with these rich and famous billionaires as they were doing back then in Babylon and so on. It's because... Um, when you um, you are going through the ritual, you've got your sacrificial victim, often a child, by the way, and there's there's a, a reason for that. You know, when they talk about uh, the ancients um, sacrificing young virgins to the gods, that was children, basically. That's what we're talking about. What they're doing is systematically um, triggering terror in the in the sacrificial victim. The greater the terror they can elicit the greater the uh, offering to the gods. So it's all about terrorizing the victim. When people are, are, are exhibiting um, emotion uh, uh, or thought energy, um, uh, like terror, for instance, you can see the body language of how they're feeling because they're screaming or they're terrified or whatever. And if you're sensitive you can pick up these vibrations uh, and you can feel what they're feeling. When you, when, when, you know, people saying, oh, I'm fine, mate. Oh, honestly, I'm fine. But you can feel it. You're not fine, are you? You know what? It's, it's just because you're mentioning this, uh, because of all the, the issues we've been seeing on social media from uh, Gaza, seeing all these children all over my uh, Twitter timeline crying and upset, it hits you immediately. Yeah. Like you feel it. Yeah, it's a it's it's a vibrational connection. Yeah. You're picking up what they're giving off, mm. um, and so um, you can feel that, and you can see the body language. What you can't do is see the frequencies. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're being given off 
outside of our visible human system, and they're going into this astral dimension. That's why we can't see them. That's why we can't see the astral, unless we have psychic abilities. And these gods on this peripheral lower frequency band of this astral dimension are absorbing these frequencies which the sacrifice is giving off. That's the sacrifice to the gods. And what happens in this world uh, of the the Satanists who are are doing this in our reality, in the human reality, um, they then drink the blood of the sacrifice because the chemical expression of that terror releases an adrenaline into the blood, which to them is like a drug. It's like a high and they drink the blood, and people have, have seen this happen, have described how they, when they drink the blood, they go bloody wild often because of the effect it has upon them. And this is where adrenochrome comes from. And all these stories of the, you know, the elite in uh, America um, drinking the blood, and, and uh, which has adrenochrome in it, you know. It's- well, correct us if I'm wrong, but you were one of the first people to sort of point the finger um uh, about the pedo, um, Jim, Jimmy Savile, and how yeah. he would get kids, and he was hooked up with the royal family. And part of the reason would be he was a supplier of children from all those hospitals he had to the elite. The thing about Jimmy Savile, um, and I started uh, writing in the books like the biggest secret, mm-hmm. you know, which came out in 1998. Um, I, I wrote about all of this stuff. It was very clear from what's come out is the police knew about him. Um, special branch that's supposed to protect the royal family absolutely would have known about him. British intelligence knew about him. Even the locals in the area, the rumours were rife. Yeah. Yeah, so even like just regular folk on the street knew. But he was never collared for it. And then um, you start to look in the background. Um, First of all, in his own words... He was invited into the inner core of the British royal family in the 1960s by a man called Lord Mountbatten. Lord Mountbatten was a known paedophile. He was infamous for it. Has that been proven officially? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, people have come out and they've, they've, they've talked about being abused by him. Oh. But, you know, I, I, I've I seen loads about this. I, so, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't cross the line and say this is how it is unless, unless I've reached a point where I've got so much information from no different people. Mm-hmm. And so a known paedophile brings Savile into the inner core of the British royal family, where he becomes a close friend of Prince Philip, till they had a big falling out, apparently, and a close friend to his death of Prince Charles, now King Charles. Um, and he was in with a politician such as uh, Thatcher? Well, well yeah, again, mm-hmm. um, he, was a, he was a friend of Margaret Thatcher, mm-hmm. and it was Margaret Thatcher's cabinet that all the stories came out about the, how many paedophiles they were in, in, in Thatcher's cabinet. Mm-hmm. Her father... Um, who ran a, a grocery store in Grantham it was a known bloody uh, uh, paedophile. Uh, I mean, the, the girls were warned not to take a job at his shop, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. bloody everywhere. Um, and so anyway, um, what um, Savile was doing was like people knew, but he was never collared because what he was doing, and this has not come out, he was um, a procurer of children for the rich and famous. He was supplying children. This has come out through at least one member of his family, but, but, and it has come out through other sources, through the 
It's uh, not been broadcast in the way everything else it's was. It's not. It's not coming out through the mainstream. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, Ted Heath, right? Ted Heath, um, the Prime Minister of Britain, who took us into the European, uh, what became the European Union, the EEC. Um, he was a paedophile and a Satanist. And I said so in The Biggest Secret. And that book was read to him uh, in the week of publication when he was still a member of parliament. How long ago was this? This was 1998. Mm. And um, it was 17 years before the, um, the Wiltshire police did an investigation into Heath pedophilia and said if he was alive today we would open uh, an investigation we 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 would we would be questioning him on on this because what was his response when they read it to him he said uh, well an excuse for a journalist read it to him and then wrote an article about the fact that she oh. read it to him kind of you know um she wanted the credit ridiculing me like um but uh, who knew nothing about the, anything um but uh, when when she read the passage to him he said he just said David I must be mad and that was it that was there was no other response and um I wasn't uh it, that's what he did um and and Savile was supplying children for him this this has come come out through various different sources not least in the uh the so-called care home in Jersey which uh, came to prominence at one point involving Ted Heath and I, I'll tell you I'll tell you a quick was story. that the one that Savile was the yeah, that he used to visit. Because I've seen a clip of him, just for reference here, just so people know that there's, you know, from what I've seen even, there was a clip of him talking to a little girl, I think, on the in the bed, and, and she was really scared of him. And he said, what have I done to make you so scared of me? And she said, everything. Yeah. And it was chilling. It was Pe- horrific. People were scared of him. Yeah. Not, not least because, and not least media people were scared of mm. him, because of his connections. Mm. When you're supplying children for paedophilia and sacrifice, by the way, um, to to the rich and famous networks of the cult. Because there were lots that went missing, right? Yeah, exactly. On oh, the number of ch- kids go missing. I mean, pe- people relate the number of kids go missing to the number of missing children's stories on the news. Forget that. Mm. Vastly greater than that. You never hear most of them. Um, and and so um, they were. Um, w- when you're supplying them with 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 children, you you don't get collared first of all. Uh, for what you're doing, anyone that threatens to expose you, well, they better watch their back as well, because the same people are watching his back. And I tell a, you, a, a bit story. like what happened in America to um, Epstein. You know, he was, he was in jail. He was ready to testify. Boom. Yeah. Gone. Well, well, it, you know, they tried to protect him. They protected him once, mm. first round, and then where the, the women wouldn't give up, she um, uh, or they. Um, had to uh, stop him coming to court and it all coming out. Whether they killed him or whether they didn't, uh, that's that's an open question that people have. But certainly he was he was disappeared. And and by the way, on on our um, our media platform, Iconic, we have a um, a program um, called Classified, which which is really you know t- looking at the far out stuff. And uh, uh, recently. Um, we interviewed a lady called um, Bryant, Juliet Bryant, who is an, a known um, girl that was abused in the Epstein network. Mm-hmm. And she describes on that show how she sh- saw him shift from a what she, she described as from a human form to a dragon-type form. Mm. Um, 
uh, and uh, she wrote a book about her time in that Epstein ring um, when she's being abused as a young girl. And she, she uses the word dragon in the title because of what, what happened to them. You know, you know when um, you look at the, um, the uh, Avatar movies, uh, you have um, the American military, look, talk about the first uh, movie, and they want to infiltrate this moon, I think they call it Pandora something, mm-hmm. of these blue people called the Navi. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they knew, because they wanted the resources that that moon had, so they knew if they turned up as human military, that the Navi, <laughs> blue people, would go, who are you? So what they did <laughs> in the movie is they took on the external form of a blue person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a Navi, and they infiltrated Navi society and, and sought to take it over until they sussed what was going on eventually in the story. That's what has happened. These demonic entities, they also take human form. Uh, and, and, and we see them as human, but actually behind that human facade, and again, when you realize what reality is, you can see how that works, um, they're, they're absolutely uh, not human. And sometimes there's a a shift that goes on where the entity behind the human form can be seen. It's rare. It happens a lot in the rituals, by the way. So many people have described it to me who've taken part in satanic rituals with these people. But, um, and, but so- sometimes um, it will just... Um, infiltrate the human and and people in a flash, often a flash, not always, but mostly, they'll see someone change from human to non-human like Juliet Bryant did. And it's what happened to me with Ted Heath in, I think it was 1989, before I'd had my head explosion in 1990 and went on this journey. I was a a, a national spokesman for the British Green Party. I know, I'm sorry, you know, it was an experience. (laughs) And um, and and there was um, uh, I was also a, a stellar sports presenter with the BBC. So in 1989, um, it became clear in the European elections that year that the Green Party was going to get a big vote compared with the past man and a dog that he never had before. We got two million votes, right? So they knew this was coming from the opinion polls. So Sky News invited me onto their election program to um, uh, discuss the results as they came in with a Labour person and a Liberal Democrat, Tory and all that stuff. So I turn up, 1989, and and I'm into none of this at the time, by the way. And um, I I get greeted at the door and this lady says, "I'll, I'll take you into makeup, right? So she took me into the makeup room and the door was open, like, so I walked in. And she said, oh, someone will be along in a minute. And she walks out. So I think I'm on my own. So I sit um, at the, one of the chairs and I'm looking in the mirror and then something caught my eye just here and I turned around and I looked and behind the closed door was Ted Heath who'd just been interviewed on the program and waiting for his makeup to be taken off before he went home, right? And what happened was, um, I understand it now, I had no idea what was going on then, is um, he's like um, sitting at, at the... It was the other way, by the way, but I'll do it this way because where we are. And he's looking at the um, the mirror 
And as I looked at him, he turned and he went like that. And he looked at me inquisitively, like he was thinking, hmm, what's this? And all I can say to you is he scanned me. He looked at me. He never said a word this entire time. Not one word did he speak. He starts at the top of my head and his eyes go down to the floor. I'm sitting there um, to the floor. And then he went back again. And then he turned and faced the mirror again. Not another word. Now, here's the point. While he's scanning me, the entire... Um, area of his eyes, including the whites, went jet fricking black. And I'm looking, I'm looking at you now and I'm making eye contact with you. There's an eye contact. Mm -hmm. When his eyes went black, I described it in my family afterwards as like looking through two black holes into another dimension. Um, it's like it never ended. There was no eye contact to be made. His eyes weren't bloody there. And of course, that kind of that that hit me um, very uh, strongly, obviously. But I didn't understand it. And then, when I uh, what when would it be? Um, it was kind of ninety six, maybe something like that. I'd been in America uh, and talking to nobody, as I talked about earlier. And in a period of 15 days going from different cities every day talking to nobody. Um, I met 12 separate people that told me the same story, which is of seeing someone um, apparently human who changed into a reptilian figure in front of their eyes and then went back again, sometimes for a, a while, some a short while, sometimes, you know, very short. And of course, at that time, when I was first coming across this, I thought, well, I'm putting this on the back burner and we'll see what other information comes because this is bloody strange. And But information did come to the point where I it crossed my line and I started talking about it, writing about it. And so I came back from that trip and I'd already arranged to meet a lady um, who was going to tell me about her experience at a place called Burnham Beaches. Now, Burnham Beaches is not far uh, from Slough, and it's an area of cops and tr you know trees and, and what have you that's owned by the City of London, the financial district. C complete cult fiefdom, that is. And she was telling me how she was the wife of the warden years ago. And... His job was to set up rituals in Burnham Beaches at night for these people, right? So um, that's what she was going to tell me. Um, and so we had the chat, and, and that was good, and, and she gave me a cup of tea, and I put my cup of tea down. I said, well, thanks very much. That's very interesting. You know, n nice to meet you. Thanks for talking to me. And I put my tea down. And as I was turning to go, because I'd just come back from America and all that stuff I just described, I said to her, you know me, I said, I'm, I'm having some strange experiences. I, so I keep meeting people that say they've seen um, people change into reptiles. And I was turning as I was speaking. And as I turned, all I could hear was, <gasps> and I turned around and she's holding her chest. She said, my God, I wasn't going to tell you about that. She said, I thought even you would think I'm crazy. And she tells me this story. 
She said what happened was she went out one night in Burnham Beaches. The house where she lived was in Burnham Beaches, uh, where the warden lived. And she said, I walked walking through the forest and she saw, saw a light. She said, so I, I walked through the, the, the trees quietly and I looked through where the light was. She said, and there was this ring of people wearing robes. She said, and the person conducting the robe, uh, the robe, were conducting the ritual in his robe, was Ted Heath. She said, and standing next to him was a guy called Anthony Barber, who was Heath's a Chancellor of the Exchequer. And about 25, half an hour drive from Burnham Beaches is Chequers, the um, country home of the Prime Minister. He was Prime Minister at the time this was happening. Um, she had this experience. And she said, um, I'm, I'm looking. I said, I was shocked, obviously, but I'm looking. And she said, um, suddenly, Heath shifted into a reptilian form and grew about two feet. Now, that is an absolutely common theme I've heard all over the world, that when they shift into a reptilian form, they get taller and bigger. Uh, because that's the real entity behind the human facade, you see. And she said, what then happened? She said, well, first of all, she said, what shocked me more than anything is the rest of the ring didn't react. It was like it was the most natural thing ever. It wasn't like, oh, my God, what's that? No, everyone stayed calm. Like, oh, yeah, this is what happens. And she said he started talking, and she described it as like the old transatlantic uh, telephone lines, you know, when there was big gaps between the words, you know, the old transatlantic telephone line with the old system long ago. Uh, I knew, you know, I'm old enough to know what she meant because I, I remember it. Um, and um, so she was um, she was talking about him, Heath, being involved in not only satanic ritual, but it, there wasn't it wasn't a sacrifice ritual, but it was a satanic type ritual. And she was um, uh, he, he he was shifting into a reptilian form. And this is the same guy that I experienced before any of this started hitting me in 1989. So we're living in a in a world, and again, it's about perceptual control. That is absolutely nothing like the one we appear to be experiencing. You have this demonic hierarchy, and then you have the human hierarchy, which is prime ministers and presidents and the king in this one, in this country. Um, and that hierarchy is for public consumption. This hierarchy is the one that's calling the shots. The royal families um, are royal and consider themselves special bloodlines, the blue bloods, because they uh, are vehicles for this demonic realm to enter our realm. Is that why they only, like, even now, they're very picky with who they let in the family, right? Yeah, uh, apart from Jimmy Savile, of course, but he was serving them as they as they want because there's a reason why they, uh, the, why the vast vast numbers of them are pedophiles. And now what we have um, is a rump royal family. You've got Charles, um, uh, and then you've got William, and his kids then are very, very young. You've got um, Prince Harry and his handler, Meghan Markle, um, 
who are firing missiles across the bloody Atlantic at the royal family and what have you. I've got a question about him, actually, because you, in quite good detail, broke down <clears throat> the fate of Diana and that the likelihood is she was killed. Yeah. Do you think that the Prince Harry and Meghan situation has been brought about by him suspecting that his mother was murdered. But I, I, I don't know. All, all I can say is that when you look at the evidence, if you don't realise it was a murder, in fact, a, a, a ritual murder in many ways, then uh, you're not paying attention. I mean, it's so uh, bloody obvious. Mm. I mean, you know, the the, the symbolism. They, they they love their symbolism. Uh, these this cult. It's all about symbolism in so many ways. It's their language. I remember once uh, you kind of did a tour of London where you were pointing out how much satanic and royal symbolism yeah. are the same. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. And uh, if you um, if you look at the the Diana thing, I mean, uh, Diana was the ancient moon goddess, right? And um, do you mean like that was the name actually of? Yeah, the the, yeah. the, the ancients used to worship Diana as a goddess, mm-hmm. goddess of the moon, etc. And uh, Pont Dalma Tunnel, where she died, is called the British uh, translations, the Bridge or Passage of the Moon Goddess. I mean, the, these these people, um, uh, they absolutely love the symbolism. And if you can start to uh, understand the language of symbolism, you can see they're putting, they're, they're telling us. But of course, they know most people don't know this language of symbolism, but they're telling us. Um, so uh, yeah, she 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 was um, she was murdered for sure. Uh, uh, um, uh, and even with the royal wear and the the cloak and everything, like and the, some of these um, these big friggin' gold sticks where they've got um, emblems on them, you've pointed all of that out and brought it back to what it really means. Yeah, well, you, you look. I mean, it's <clears throat> relatively topical. You look at the uh, coronation of Prince Charles. Mm. I mean, it was all symbolism. It was all. Um, satanic esoteric symbolism i met a a guy once um whose mother was a psychic lady and she was into all the esoteric and he said you know my mother uh can predict the colors that the queen mother is gonna wear any day because it's all according to the esoteric calendar what does esoteric mean hidden okay Um, uh, what, what's called the occult? Uh-huh. Um, occult is just a word meaning hidden. It's it's that which is hidden. Things from. such as like the checkered floors and stuff, stuff oh, like yeah, that. It's all, it's, all, it's it's all symbolism, and it's all in some way interacting with with energy to manipulate energy in a certain way. Mm. The satanic rituals are, are all the, the the way they're conducted is to manipulate the energetic field, um, and what they do is. Um, do the same rituals in the same places over and over and over again. And what that does is it thins because um, what these rituals are doing, like I said earlier, is they're interacting with these uh, lower astral, quote, gods, demons, entities. And the more they do it in the same place, they thin out the dimensional difference at that point between our world and that world. And I've been described been described to me many times by Satanists how um, these entities in the major rituals slip through from their dimension into this one and appear mm-hmm. appear in front of the Satanists. Um, so um, could that be almost like a vision? Like you know, how people have um, visions while meditating. A lot of people could that be on, or or do you mean literally they appear? 
Physically. Well, literally, they appear, mm. but they can't stay for long because a, there there is a vibrational difference between how the, what they're vibrating on and and and, and what this uh, sort of like a ghost vibrating on. But they can come in for a short time and then and then they they leave. You mentioned earlier about Wi-Fi and stuff. Well, if um, I said to people that knew nothing about computers um, that there was a field of information in this room that you could tap into anywhere in the world if you had the right kit there people would say you're mad mate what you're talking about <sighs> i can't see it where is it because because the five sense um centric people which is most people because they are encouraged and manipulated to be five sense centric their arbiter of everything is can i see it touch it taste it hear it um uh, see it etc um but that is such a tiny band of frequency. It's, it's laughable. The world we think we're in is so tiny. Do you know 99.9, this is mainstream science, 99.9% of the universe is plasma. It's not physical at all. Mm -hmm. It's plasma. And what they call the atomic level, which is made up of atoms, but atoms themselves are empty, gives you a clue this is not solid, is a tiny smear of the universe. And that tiny smear is what our narrow band of visible uh, light is connected to, uh, to see. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at this smear and, and the rest of the universe exists all around us, including with these entities in it, but we're not aware of it. And because mm -hmm. we're not aware of it, we think it doesn't exist. It actually uh, uh, does. So you've got this Wi-Fi. And if you say to people, now who know about computers and know about Wi-Fi, uh, you say the same. You know, there's a field of information in this room that you can tap into anywhere in the world. People say, oh, yeah, yeah, Wi-Fi, I know about that, yeah. And the only difference between I know about that and you're mad is knowledge. That's all it is. <laughs> so the more you can manipulate knowledge and suppress knowledge, the more people will dismiss what's actually happening because they can't perceive that it's possible to happen because that knowledge has been kept from them. And so uh, what you have with this cult is two worlds in one world. You have the secret society network I've described, which is fiercely compartmentalized. Only the inner core really know the story. And then you've got the population. And what's happening is the knowledge of reality and the knowledge of where humanity is being taken is kept in the cult. And mm -hmm. it's passed over through the generations. And the same cult has created the education system. In America, it was created by the Rockefellers, not least J.D. Rockefeller. Um, and uh, they've, they own the media. They own the sources of information, apart from, you know, people who are working uh, to, uh, to uncover this stuff. And so that uh, information source to the population is designed to be as narrow as possible <laughs> so that people have no bloody idea what they know. And when people like me start uncovering through sweat and, and spit um, what they know and passing it on to the population, a lot of the population go, you're mad, mate, and that's the idea. It reminds me of an interview you had with um, Schofield, Philip Schofield, and, and he said, oh, so you want to go against the system? It would just be chaos. And yeah. you replied... Bombing kids from the skies is chaos. And that's why I'm against, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I am fascinated by 
this idea that there's a gap in human history where things changed. And I know you've talked a little bit about some of the Anunnaki side of, uh, you know, we were once visited by aliens who then sort of changed us genetically and then we would then look more like them. And Do, do you think that there's a cross... Um, a bit where the demons and aliens are the same thing or are they completely different? I think overwhelmingly they are the same thing, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and um, I think the uh, – oh, this is going to be controversial, Brian. Well, uh, we like that. So many of the religions are worshipping the wrong, quote, chap. The bloodthirsty, arrogant um, tyrant of a god described in the Old Testament – is the demons. Um, and I, I think a lot of these uh, gods that people uh, worship or their version of God in the different religions are actually these this this demonic realm. And What makes you think that? You know, you read the Old Testament God, and, I mean, he's, he's, he's a tyrant. He's a bloodthirsty, bloody tyrant. Oh, he's a loving God. Well, well, it don't seem like it. I've read some of the passages. It don't look like it. Mm. Uh, and, and, uh, oh, you must only, uh, worship me, you know. And in these Gnostic documents found in 1945, supposed to have been put in that jar in around 400 AD, um, they quote Yolda Bayoth, uh, the demiurge, their version of the devil, Satan, Shaitan, Iblis. And they quote him almost word for word saying the bloody same. You must not um, worship any god but me. I am the only god and all that stuff. They talk about, you know, was it the sons of God who interbred with the daughters of men and created the, 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 the this uh, uh, Nephilim race or whatever. Can, can you explain that just a little bit? Because that, that is, a lot of people don't know about that theory. Well, that, that's a, a line in the Bible about the, the, the sons of God, sons of the gods. Uh -huh. actually, sons of the gods, it actually says... Mm -hmm. It's been translated as sons of God, singular, actually means what it says. It's translated from, says sons of the gods, plural. Um, and it talks about the, the interbreeding between uh, the sons of God and humans creating this, this, this Nephilim-type race they talked about. And from you look at other sources of other cultures, and they'll tell you the same story, yeah, same basic that. story. I mean, the Adam and Eve story—you can find that in many different cultures, in, mm -hmm. told in different ways. The biblical stories are actually uh, an amalgamation of stories that go much further back and, uh, and have been put in another location and put in another context. It is funny that there's similar characters that show themselves in all of these different books written by different people, thousands of years apart. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you. Um, you have this biological <clears throat> computer that's actually <clears throat> decoding the matrix, which is why when the computer, biological computer, ceases to function, in other words, what we call death, mm -hmm. consciousness uh, leaves the body because the biological computer is no longer decoding the matrix because it's not functioning anymore. So... Consciousness leaves, and, and this is when you, you see all the oh, stunning numbers of stories now around the world of near-death experiences where they talk about they experienced a completely different reality, which clearly had a very different law of physics, right? Now, this is interesting. I said earlier, when uh, just after the turn of the millennium, I had this 
overwhelming feeling that this is a simulation and that the limit of the simulation at this level, there are others, is the speed of light. And speed of light only appears to scientists like Einstein to be the fastest speed because it's, it's limited to this reality. And at the time that I got this feeling uh, very strongly uh, and started talking about it, um, I obviously looked around and, and, and thought, well, is anyone else getting this stuff about we're living a simulation? And I found one guy, that's all, a guy called Nick Bostrom, a uh, professor at um, Oxford University, who was saying that he felt this could be a simulation, but he, the way he saw it was different to me. And then as the years have passed, I started writing about it. And as the years have passed, uh, more and more mainstream scientists, one only two weeks ago that was in all the papers in, in Britain, in Portsmouth University, have, have started to say both sides of the Atlantic and, and in Japan and places like that, it does look like this is a simulation. And um, if you go down the road of the simulation hypothesis, all these mysteries of life that cannot be explained by the official version of this reality start to get answered. Then in uh, April 2021, there was an article in Scientific American, a mainstream science magazine, in, in obviously in America. And it was an academic who said he'd um, concluded that this is a simulation and that the limit of it is the speed of light. And it <laughs> fell off my bloody chair. Mm -hmm. The laws of physics, what we call the laws of physics, are the limits of the game as encoded into the game the by rules. the creators yeah. of the game. Which is why when, when, when people leave, the consciousness leaves the body, leaves the decoding mechanism of the matrix, uh, the, the biological computer, they experience a world with a very different law of physics. The law of physics that we have is only limited to this, this, uh, uh, reality. A scientist I know, he actually became a believer in a creator and a God when he was looking at blood under a microscope because he said he could see the design of the of, of blood. He said, I could almost see the fingerprints of whoever created us right there. The patterns were there. It's like, this isn't an accident. It's uh, not an accident. It's a creation. But it, the, the, I mean, you know. We're told by mainstream scientists a lot that we are just um, little specks, uh, you know, of dust almost that are here by fluke chance, by a complete yeah. big bang accident that just so happened. And now we're all here living our lives out. And when you look off into the universe, we can see how minute we are and how unimportant we are. But yet we've never explored any of it. And, you know, even what we have explored turned out that didn't even look like that was real, right? The moon yeah. landing, for example. Well, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's a great point, and, uh, and, and which I've written about in the books. Mm. Um, are we more important than we are led to oh, believe? Uh, well, uh, yes, we are, because we're consciousness and we're part of the infinite uh, uh, realm of consciousness. Therefore, we're as powerful as that infinite range of consciousness, ultimately. But what, what the, 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 the matrix does, the simulation, is it holds us in a perceptual prison cell that convinces us that's why this is happening, mm -hmm. convinces us that we're insignificant and, and just little me and we've got no power. If you, if you, if you want to control billions of people and that or billions of expressions of consciousness in human bodies, isn't that what you want them to believe? And then there's this other point. Um, there was a guy called Fermi, um, who, um, after whom something called the Fermi paradox is, uh, named. And he looked up into the night sky, not surprisingly, and he said, where's the freaking aliens? <laughs> there's all those lights. There's all those planets. They talk about 
billions of, of, of stars and billions of planets and billions of universes, whatever. Where's the bloody aliens? Now, if you were creating a simulation and your target you wanted to keep in total ignorance of everything so they they would just be your um, your cattle to farm of energy, you don't want interaction with uh, the outside. Uh, uh, the outside that's going to widen your perspective of, of 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 what's going on. You want to look into the night sky and feel alone and feel insignificant and feel small. It's all um, uh, that that is therefore. And what are they manipulating? We keep coming back to it and manipulating our perception. Um, so. Do you think they're lying about what's outside of our atmosphere? As in, when I say they, I mean like, let's say NASA, for example, who are heavily funded by the American taxpayer beyond belief with very little to actually show for it, other than we went to the moon, God knows, 50 odd years ago and somehow destroyed the technology that can take me back there. But we'll get go there again yeah. sometime. Because NASA specifically are a company that I just do not trust a word they say. Because there's so little to show for how much. Well, you know, and NASA came about um, mm. came ba- about as a result of of, of Nazi scientists. Mm. Um, uh, it was towards, an ego race, basically. Yeah, towards right? the end of the war, the uh, Second World War, um, there was something called Project Paperclip. This has been well documented now, mm. um, where the Americans, um, the American expression of the cult, the cult has no borders, therefore, therefore, public consumption. Um, organized um, something like 1,600, probably a lot more, but we know of 1,600 scientists, Nazi scientists, out of um, Germany to um, America, and they were created. They created NASA, which really should be called Nazi. Really, <laughs> um, and uh, one I mean, of, they were literally na- Nazi scientists. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. One of them was Werner von Braun who uh, designed the V-2 rockets that that attacked London in the Second World War. And then he went to America and um, helped to set up NASA, and he designed the Saturn V rockets of the Apollo mm-hmm. uh, missions, right? So he, um, he he was a great example of it, and he was a Nazi. And, and, and because there's no borders, this is why the Rockefellers were funding the Nazis. Mm-hmm. There's no borders. The us versus them is only in the mind of the people, right? Not- yeah, so the people fight each other. That's all it is. So NASA is never going to tell you about uh, one or two uh, people working there, might who are not in the uh, the inner circle um, and, and uh, often at the end of their careers before they retire, but they're not going to uh, uncover the great secrets of the universe. Why? Because they don't bloody want you to know them. That's mm-hmm. the point. I'm talking about the inner core that controls NASA. Um, so uh, funnily enough, in uh, I think it was 2017, there was a NASA computer scientist, I think he's retired pretty soon afterwards, called Rich Terrell, um, who um, came out in the, in the media and said um, he concluded that this is a simulation it's a holographic simulation, exactly what I was saying just after the turn of the millennium, and that as a result, it can't be natural. And if it's not natural, then some f- intelligence must have created it. Yes, that demonic force we're talking about. So um, y- you, um, you, you have the, um, 
the body decoding the simulation into a reality that appears one way, but it's actually nothing like it. Now, here's an analogy. What I'm seeing um, so obviously as the years go on is that this explosion of technology that is um, taking over human society and running it through AI is mimicking uh, the way that we decode reality and what reality is, the reality we're experiencing. How are the, are, are the virtual reality games impacting up on our reality? Well, you put a headset on, five cents eyes. You put the uh, heads, uh, he headphones on, five cents hearing. You put the gloves on, five cents touch, and so on and so forth. They're overriding and hacking in to our five sense decoding system, and which is communicated to the brain, which then decodes it into a sense of reality in the same way that we are have you ever been in one of those, by the way? Uh, they're, they're unbelievable. Like, uh, you really are, like, it takes a few seconds to get used to it, but once you're in there, you really do forget that there is another world. Yeah. You're, you're in there. Now, you know. that's, a very, that's a very interesting comment because of what I'm going to say. Mm. And the more sophisticated and advanced they become, the closer and closer and closer they get into a sense of reality in the game that is like, the one we're having when we take the heads off. Doesn't that go back to what you were saying about humans' belief that the, the technology we have right now has to be the most advanced? Yeah. And the idea that something more advanced could have been created thousands of years ago, we can't comprehend that, but it is very possible. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about, I'll mention when I finish this next bit, about mm -hmm. the biological. Is that really natural? Uh, who says? Um, <laughs> so what, what, what you have with uh, the virtual reality game is if you go on the internet, there's loads of them, and you look at a compilation of the reactions of people, not even with the gloves on mm. and the hearing, but just the headset. Yep. And they're screaming, they're falling over, they're jumping. They're, they are Their reality has been completely taken over by um, what's coming at them through the headset. But then they can go, shh. Oh, it's just a game, right? Now, what if this biological computer was the equivalent of a five sense, not just one sense, a five sense headset, and the only way you could take it off your consciousness is if you leave this reality? If you die. Yeah, so you're in the womb and your, your body computer is developing, you come out of the womb and there's your parents. They've got headsets on. Your siblings got headsets on. You go to school. The teachers have got headsets on. All your mates have got headsets on. You turn on the television. Someone's reading the news with a freaking headset on. You go out into the world of work and everyone has got headsets on, believing this reality to be real. And you are going to have the headset on, decoding the matrix constantly, until you leave this world and you go through a, a, an experience where you leave the body and you're in a different realm of physics because this is no longer functioning. You are going to believe, Brian, clearly, just look at the compilations on the internet of a game, mm. you're going to believe that this reality 
is as it seems to be, and what you're being told is what is the real world, when actually it's just a decoding mechanism. People say um, biological is natural. Okay, it's a natural body and natural trees and all that stuff. I'm not saying these things don't exist in some other reality of which this is a copy. I mean, the uh, a, a bad copy, as the uh, Gnostics described it in their documents, this is a bad copy of... Uh, of of prime reality kind of like where we had the garden of eden and then another version which we're now living in and you trick them into it mm. now this is interesting garden of eden um who tricked who tricked them the snake snake what's that symbolic of i've said to christian people do you really think that that's describing a talking snake it's all symbolic it's all symbolic and then you say well what happened is that brought them into the to the to the to the trap is they saw good and evil. What's that? Polarity. Polarity. This whole simulation is polarity. It's basically an electrical system. It's an electrical electromagnetic system. That's that this level that we're we're, we're experiencing. The rest is plasma. It's this electrical level, and, and electricity requires polarity. Which is why, you know, and, and, and what's happening is they're trying to get the population to respond to that polarity all the time. I remember hearing you once describe the, the situation we're in with the world right now as imbalance. Imbalance, yeah. Uh, well, what we need, in my view, is one hand freaking clapping and then we might get somewhere. Because <laughs> what happens is imposition, imposition, polarity. Mm-hmm. resistance to the imposition, polarity. Oh, you've got electrical system now. We don't need resistance. We need to say we're not doing it. We're not cooperating. And then you've got one hand clapping and, and you've taken the polarity out. You've taken the, it it, all falls the, apart. the, 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 the system that connects you both. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the Israel and, and Hamas are two polarities in an electrical system. And the people taking the consequences are the, the, the civilians on both sides caught up in it. It's everywhere you look, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's polarity. Um, and so what I said to people, say to people is the natural world is natural. The biological is natural. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what are you comparing it with? Well, I'm comparing it with the um, with te- techno- technology. And techno- yeah. But how do you know that the biological is not a far, far more advanced version of technology? How do you know that? Unless you have something that you solid gold irrefutably know is natural, you can't, you have nothing to compare it with. You only compare it with the technological, which makes it look natural. This cult in a core knows it's not natural and it treats it as a form of technology. That's what it, that's how it treats the biological. So you get documents from Moderna which describe the contents of their COVID vial as an operating system. They know what this is. They just want to stop us knowing and ridiculing and censoring people like me who are trying to point out um, what they don't want us to know. You know when you're having a dream and you don't know it's a dream, you are being emotionally and mentally impacted by the dream. You know, you, you, I mean, nightmare is a, is, a, is a classic example of what I'm talking about. But have you ever had these dreams? I have a lot of these where you're, in, you're having a dream, but you know it's a freaking dream. Yep. Have you ever had that? Oh, yeah. Well, what happens? You're not emotionally and mentally impacted upon it anymore. You're the observer. You're observing the dream because you know it's a dream. Mm. 
you do things in a completely different way like that you know like the fly, uh, fight or flight type dreams uh which i've had a lot of for whatever reason i think it's a normal thing for blokes but you 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 seem sort of passive don't you like you feel like yeah whatever happens happens i know this isn't real yeah it's a completely different attitude compl- completely different that's kind of like enlightenment i suppose exactly you're starting to suss it um <laughs> so when you um when you're living in this reality, you're in this world. Of course you are, because while you're in a body, it's going to be decoding the matrix into the reality you think you're experiencing. But consciously, you know it's a dream. You know it's an induced dream. You know it's an illusion. And what happens is it, 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 the, more, the more it becomes part of you, not just a concept, but part of you, the more your life becomes, not totally, because, you know, the, this, the the impact emotionally on people is constant, but to a vastly greater extent, you um, become the observer of the dream. And things that used to impact upon you, the drama, oh, my God, have you heard the latest? Oh, see what's happened to so-and-so. Ooh. You're detached. You're, you're observing it. Mm. You know it's all nonsense. Is that why they say monks get that sort of thing? Because they're at that state of enlightenment where they're just like, we're not affected by the highs and the lows, the way normal people are. Yeah, well, there's a guy um, in the 60s. Uh, he was a, 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 a um, an academic in America. Mm. And he was experimenting to understand um, LSD. And he goes to the East and he meets this uh, this monk type, Eastern monk. And he gives him uh, a dose of LSD. Nothing. And so he gives him more, with with his um, uh, permission, obviously. And eventually he gives him an heroic dose of this LSD. The monks are smiling at him because you're having no effect. The mind is everything. Now, this cult knows that, Mm -hmm. so it's after your mind. And um, If anything, does the internet not make this even easier because we're more attached to our identity than we've ever been? More attached to... Uh, how people see us. Yeah. And you'll remember um, in 1991 when I appeared in a, in a daze when my, my whole life was changing and I didn't know what was going on. And I appeared on the Wogan show on the BBC mm. and uh, I got mass ridicule, mass ridicule. It went on for years and years. Can, can I explain this for you a little bit to my younger audience? Because yeah, I just want, because modern day we have a thing called cancelled. It's a new word that's been given where people are being publicly shamed. You were one of the the trailblazers for someone who said things that other people didn't agree with and were then ridiculed, shamed, and all of that. And you went on that BBC show uh, where you'd previously been a, a presenter and now were coming out with things that weren't the norm. And this guy, he, he wasn't nice to you. And to be fair, he did express regret after the fact. But you went through a real brutal cancellation. Yeah. And it took mega mental strength to get through that. Yeah, it was historic levels of ridicule. Mm. I mean, I couldn't walk down the street without being laughed at, people walking past me. And if I, and I know if I look behind me, whenever I look behind me, there'd be people laughing and making faces when they walk past me. I mean, we only had the TV channels then. It wasn't yeah, like you were some corner of the internet. You, you were on mainstream TV. I, I know. And and so that, and the media, of course, were on it mm. uh, and uh, exacerbated it. But the reason I, I, I raised that is because that was my greatest gift because it cleared me out of the prison that most people live in, the fear of what other 
people think. Um, when you go through historic levels of ridicule like that, you either go under and disappear from the world and hide, or you use it as the fire that hones the steel. People say, I'm offended. Well, choose not to be. It's a choice. If you're offended, you've made a choice to be offended. I don't know what it's like to be offended because I, I, I never go there. You've got an open mind. Yeah, well, pe people have a right to their opinion. My problem with people who are offended, though, is it, they think that it gives them the moral high ground and therefore I am right and you are wrong because yeah. you have made me feel this. Yeah. Not realising that it's you can't ex expect other people to never say anything that might upset you. Exactly. That's insane. Yeah. And yet that's the world we're living in. But it's that, that's part of what we talked about earlier. It's weakening people. Yeah. It's weakening people. You know, I mean, pe people abuse me all the time and uh, even now. And I, and I said, well, thanks for sharing that with us. Have a nice day. I couldn't give a shit. Mm. Um, and, and, and because I was cleared out of that concern of what other people think, that's why I can say what I think to say, knowing what the reaction is going to be, talk about shape-shifting reptilians and reptilian entities and non-human force manipulating human society, or this is a, a simulation, you know you're going to get bloody ridiculed. Um, and people used to say to me, did you know? Did you not know you get ridiculed if she said that? Did you know I'd work that out? <laughs> but, you know. It had crossed my mind. You say it anyway, because <laughs> if you don't speak your truth, if you don't express your own uniqueness of view, then you are not you anymore. You are what others say you must be. This is where groupthink comes from. It's like, uh, well, I must uh, conform to the group because what will the group say to me or think about me or do about me if I don't support everything that the group says? And this is what you say. You see on the internet, you get someone who's completely freaking woke I mean, they're so woke, it uh, it's meets itself coming back. And they say one thing, one thing that contradicts one little area of woke. And all the woke is cancelling them. Do you know what it reminds me of? Um, Monty Python's Life of Brian, where oh, yeah. he, he goes, uh, we're going to stone him for saying Jehovah. And then they all start stoning the guy who's organising the stoning. Yeah. And it, they're, <laughs> they're, they're woke, but they really are stupid like that. Like, um, well, because think, you know, extreme woke is, is, is for me, is, is, is a mental illness. It's also dangerous to like freedom of speech and, and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Not that uh, I think we should say everything and anything and upset everyone deliberately, but there's got to be a sensible attitude taken at some point. So if someone tells me you can't say that or these are the consequences, I'm sorry, mate, I'm saying it. Because I have a right to say it. I have a right to believe it. You have no right. To stop me. But that, that, that should be common sense to me. But what, how far it's going now is take, for example, you being on this show, um, me just hearing your opinion, me platforming you, right? That's what they call it now. Where, so they will then say, let's say you've said things in the past that may, may or may not have been good, whatever they're saying, they've got a problem with you. How dare you platform him? You're just as guilty now. Yeah. That's the level of thought policing where yeah. I, I might not agree with anything you've said. I'm literally just hearing your opinion, sure. but just for hearing it, I am now just as guilty. That's how crazy this world yeah. is getting. Like I say, it's, it's a, it's a form of mental illness. Mm. Um, and, it, and, and if you look at the world, but it's, it's backed though. It's pow It's becoming powerful. That yeah. Well, because yeah. of their little woke army behind them. Yeah. But, but you see, because the cult network wants that, because it wants to shut people up. Mm. 
the woke may be a relatively small med- mental area of the population, but it's got Allowed. the cult system behind it. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so influential. Uh, if it was left to the the vast majority of the population, they'd just say, "Shut, you know, um, uh, shut your nonsense." Mm-hmm. But they've got the system behind them. That's why they're so influential. That's why you see the cancelling in universities and corporations and media because the cult owns them all, right? What I've been uh, talking about in more recent times, I've got a section about it in the dream. Is my concern that the alternative media, which I saw emerge, didn't exist when I started out, is now being manipulated to be a barricade against the exploration of the vastness of this conspiracy, thus the understanding of how we overcome it. Um, and names that have come in to this arena and basically dominated it, it, attracted all the publicity and the numbers and what have you. But when we started, it was pretty much you and Alex Jones, who I knew of, who were the guys who you could look at on the internet who would give you an alternative idea of what the government were up to. But it's it's grown into an industry now, right? Yeah, and there's some very good people in it and some very good people um, who – want to explore, because, uh, you know, there was a, an ancient Greek philosopher called Socrates who is quoted as saying that to know is to know you know nothing, <laughs> right? That yeah. is the meaning of knowledge. And what that means is um, the one thing you can say without any contradiction, credible anyway, is that whatever we know or think we know at any point, there's always more to know. Which is why I've I've started uncovering the cult. Okay, so what's behind the cult? Oh, this non-human. So how do they do it? And and you you keep you know there's always more to know. Um, and when you get into this realm of um the bigger bigger picture of this conspiracy and what this so-called matrix really is, then you start to see ways of 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 basically taking control of your life back, but also bringing this thing to an end. What I'm seeing. Brian, is this barricade of so-called big names um, who are f- still five-sense focused. They're still looking into the five-sense world. And I'm not saying that all of them know they're doing that. I think most of them, the great majority of them, don't. I see them as dot people. They'll pick up an area like a niche, like a dot, and they'll become famous for that dot or well-known for that dot, big numbers and all that stuff. Now, I have no problem with that. But when it creates this barrier where everything is so focused on, on, on that, that, that this is forgotten. And I, You're saying I, they don't go far enough sort of thing? Not even close because, you know, the, 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 they absolutely have not got a clue what's going on. Uh, uh, that that's the point. What do you make of Elon Musk and what he's doing with Twitter and freedom of speech? Do you think he's part of the problem or the solution? I think Musk is Musk, Musk is a, a fundamental uh, player in this here and no further um, barricade. Okay, Russell Brand is another one. Um, 
Ben Shapiro at the Daily Wire is another one. And Tucker Carlson is another one. Now, and, and, and I'm not going to criticize Tucker Carlson because I've got respect for him. Um, when he was on Fox News and I, I watched him progress and, and I saw his mind open to more and more awareness. So actually, uh, you know, th- th- this is more than just. Do you not think he might have always known, but he looked the other way for the yeah, paycheck? Well, yeah, he did. But, and, and then he got to the point where they, they, they got rid of him. But every morning I used to get up, six o'clock in the morning, and I'd watch his show on, um, on YouTube because he was going further than other people. And in terms of uh, politics, he's, um, he's, 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 re- he's really seeing that level of it. Uh, and the nature of the one-party state. So that's great, and I have no problem with that. By one-party state, you mean it's a a charade of... Yeah. Um, like what Russell Brown, when I interviewed him, he did say, look, you, you've got to stop thinking about it left versus right. You've got to see the centre and then outside of the centre because the left and right are right there together. In the wow, well, that's an interesting story because um, a long time ago now, um, he was doing um, a show for the BBC... The one that where the 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 sax incident happened, but it hadn't happened by then. Mm. The radio show, yeah. Mm. Um, and um, he was doing a, a show for an American station of something, a TV show. And um, he uh, brought the radio show to the Isle of Wight. Oof, this is a long time ago. And um, you were on that show, weren't you? He yeah, called you up. I went went to his uh, his hotel where the crew was staying. And and I had a chat with him, and I I said I said look I gave him a book one of my books, and I said it's um it's a one party state mate you know you, you you might have two three parties but they're all controlled by the same force mm-hmm. and they're all uh, ultimately going to do the same thing one might do it faster than the other but they're all ultimately going to do the same thing, so um th- that's when I, I I started talking to him about that and 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 then I did the radio show but. And I did the, the TV show, which went out in America. And, but I didn't see any um, desire to get this information out. I mean, you know, in the TV show, he's, he's putting um, uh, pictures of famous people on the, on the screen and saying, is he a reptile? Right, and that's that was the level of it. Yeah, he was very much in his comedy phase. Oh, though. yeah, but I mean, he showed no interest in getting this information out there. And then he invited me just after that onto a, a radio show, some other station, not the BBC. And um, I, I went on it, and it was it was Russell Brand. He was fronting it. There was um, a guy called Noel Fielding, another comedian guy, and there was Noel Gallagher, and. Um, that's a weird, weird yeah, so, group of people in you. So I go on that, and I say, um, I'm, I'm trying to get information across. Is that, that's the only point of doing it, really? Mm-hmm. And it's like, am I a reptile? What am I a reptile? Who's it? And, and I, I, I basically, I, I didn't lose it, but I made my feelings clear. And Russell Brand said, uh, "Oh, I, th- I think we've upset David. We'll let him go, right? Well, actually, you have, mate." Uh, and at that point, I said, uh, "I'm going to do nothing else with Russell Brand because." You know, you do it because you 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 think, well, let he who have ears, let them hear. At least, you know, if you if you laughed at and all that stuff, at least you, some people might hear what you're saying. It's worth it for that reason. But I I I, I gave it up at that point. You felt like you didn't get the chance to. No, and I've I didn't um um I've ne- I've never done anything with him since. And then came the 
the the trues um the political one yeah i'm watching that and i'm hearing it's a one party state and and you know you shouldn't vote cuz and that's what i said to him when i met him for the first time i said voting's a waste of time mate cuz you're voting for two masks on the same face right and and so i, I watched that and then um eventually that fell down when he interviewed the the moronic truly truly moronic ed miliband who was leader of the Labour party yeah i remember that and um, at the end of an interview in which Miliband talked his usual vacuous nonsense, uh, Russell said, um, okay, you've convinced me people should vote Labour. And, and that was the end of that because a lot of people then turned against him and all the rest of it. And then he went into his, his um, Eastern religious phase and well-being and all that stuff. And then when, um, when COVID hit, uh, suddenly, uh, you know, people like me and others were getting a lot of publicity before the shutdown about um, questioning ch- the, challenge, the challenging media. the whole thing. And suddenly he appears as a, a conspiracy guru. I welcome anyone putting this information out. But um, what he's putting out is so incredibly mild and back from the cutting edge. Is it true in your mind? Um well, some of so, yeah, I mean, basically, it's stuff that people like me were talking about ages and ages ago. This um, here and no further barricade brigade, as I call them, Jordan Peterson is another one. They um, are kind of taking the focus, and they're becoming the perception of the alternative media uh, by you know very very large numbers of people. And you know, make your contribution, but your babies in this arena in the sense that you do not know what the hell this is really all about in terms of the the vastness of what's going on but the focus is is all in in this arena so uh, is there a possibility just to raise this as a question that they are aware of some of the things that you have gone further with but they are not sure their audiences are ready to hear that. Um, or, you know, because some things are a bit more harder to prove. Do I want to go there? Do I want to struggle with that? I think most of them don't know that. Really? Um, and what I would say is if if you won't go there, then you are not part of the genuinely constantly questioning, constantly exploring true alternative media. What was what Russell said on that Bill Maher show was, um, have you seen all the billionaires that have been created by the COVID jab? Now, yeah, that is an add-on. The money is being made from it and people are benefiting from in Pfizer, etc. That is a bonus. It's an add-on. That's not why it's it's happening. It's happening because of an agenda for mass human control, which involves connecting uh, artificial intelligence to the human brain, which brings us into into Musk, um, and uh, it's vastly, vastly greater. It's not not about the money, mate. It's that's a, that's just this level of it. And so you you have this um, this this arena, and, and what it is, Brian, it's a freaking clique, or what I call the mainstream alternative. All interviewing each other, they're all um, uh, uh, supporting each other, and, and what have you. And that, and and out here are the people uh, that want to explore and have explored, in my case, the greater picture, but they're kept out of the clique. 
Uh, Why do you think that is? There are significant numbers of people now who won't buy it. They're, they're looking for a conspiracy. And so often you give them a conspiracy. It's just the wrong freaking conspiracy, like Wuhan lab leaks and all that stuff. Um, but um, you have to give a bit. And one of these barricade organizations is GB News in Britain. Mm-hmm. That's a here and no further. As they, in, we're going to give you just enough information to make you think that you're on the inside, but in really it's it's spoon feeding you a minimal exactly. amount. Exactly. We, we, we have um, a GB News dying up, claiming to be alternative to the mainstream. They won't have me on either. It's, it's a barricade organization. And what they do is they give you a bit to keep you happy. Okay. So this is, and, and, and then that becomes GB News, um, uh, Andrew Tate, uh, Jordan Peterson, Russell Brand. That becomes the alternative media. And, 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 and it looks at the area of politics and, and big pharma and, uh, and, and, um, things like that and, uh, the, the finance. All of which I do, all of which I've done for 34 years, all of which I do on davidike.com every day. But if you stop there, then you've got so far, but you've still not understood the vastness of the conspiracy you're dealing with. You're still focused on a tiny uh, area of it. And, um, Given everything that you did in the the legwork for alternative learning, right, from people that go on YouTube, Google, and to read your books, do you feel like there are people now jumping on the train that you sort of built and that you deserve a bit more credit than what you've been given? You're not looking for credit. Um, what, what you're looking for is um, that the pursuit of knowledge – uh, knowledge is uh, to know you know nothing goes on and that people um, that are looking at the alternative media for explanations, they um, are going with you and they're, they're going down that road of exploring where does this rabbit hole go? What was what I'm seeing, and I, like I say, I wrote about this in the dream, which went to the printers in Ju- June, July. So it was before all this happened, before everything, anything about Russell Brand. I mentioned Russell Brand in the book, um, and it, it's this, um, this, 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 this barricade. Um, and so you've got someone like uh, Andrew Tate, um, who, 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 you know, he, he picks up on something that's actually valid, um, young males are being targeted um, and uh, the effort is to weaken them and to make them feel bad about themselves for the reasons we've talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that's fine. That's, that's something <laughs> to focus on. But, but when you then equate being a real man with having a Bugatti and a sports car and money in the bank and all this stuff, um, and this is, this is, this is. He exploits it for his own personal gain, which is sign up to my course, be like me, make me money. Yeah. yeah well, and, and, but he, he has hijacked a lot of the, the minds, um, with that of, uh, young people. Yeah. Who, who could see that they're being weakened and seeing how they become strong again mm. without 
having this limitation. See, that doesn't put money in Agitate's bank, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's that's probably a good point. But the the thing <laughs> is that um, you see, when you equate power and um, strength with possessions alone. What is that? That's a complete five sense hijacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're bringing people not. You're not expanding them into uh, the 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 consciousness they could become, yeah. which would transform their freaking lives. And realizing it's a dream and seeing the seeing the dream, so it doesn't impact. You're not doing that. You're saying this is what you need to pursue to become powerful. It's a Bugatti. It's a sports car. It's money. It's it's all this stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I, I did hear him say, uh, the, the other day in a, in a, in a video that, um, he said, um, I, I say things and, and, and they happen. He said, I was talking about the matrix two years ago. And I'm like, what? He doesn't <laughs> understand what the matrix is. He has no idea. And then you've got Jordan Peterson who, um, says some interesting things, I say, absolutely from a five cents point of view about psychology. But, 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 but then posts on the internet give them hell, Netanyahu, when this thing kicked off. And there's, uh, um, and, uh, Andrew Tate saying that basically, um, uh, supporting cheering on Allah, uh, on the other side. And you're like, if you take a side, you ain't alternative. You know, you should be looking at not at the sides, but at what is controlling both sides. Then you might get a, an idea of what the hell's going on. Pick a side, pick a side. They're both dying on both sides, appallingly, because those that are controlling the civilian populations answer to the same master. So in terms of this alternative media that we've got, what would you... What what would you want them to do better? I'd first of all um, like them to realize that the areas they're operating in are a tiny fraction of what people need to know. The Daily Wire is not the alternative media. It's an alternative Republican Party. Um, you look at um, <clears throat> Tucker Carlson, he's getting these big numbers, all great, but... A lot of his numbers are inflated because of people. Once you go over a video on Twitter, it counts as a view, and a lot, it's hard to know how many views he's reading. All about. right, well, you know this is exactly. yeah. Um But he's still operating in the realm of the five senses of of, of politics and and uh, what have you. What what I see with um, Andrew Tate, Russell Brand, and such like, I don't see the research. I see the repeating of other people's research. I don't see the research. And and the real alternative media is constantly researching to seek more and more understanding. The barricade mm-hmm. is just repeating old stuff. It's 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 worth uh you know uh doing that, but it it what what I'm saying is it's become the focus. You obviously had a long um, I don't know what level of friendship relationship it was, but you you interacted a lot online with Alex Jones. After all these years, what's your take on Alex Jones? Well, uh, Alex um, is uh, 
someone who goes, they don't go back quite as far as me, but he goes back a long way. And, and he's um, uh, been a, a vehicle for a lot of information to get out in the political realm and the, mm. uh, the, the five sense realm, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do, um, I don't like, you know, criticizing other people that um, have actually done some great stuff. But I, I would say that, you know, I, I do see Alex a little bit getting pulled into this arena. Of is that sort of him vouching for Donald Trump and stuff like that? Yeah, would, would, yeah, would Donald Trump? I mean, I called Donald Trump in 2016 when he's running for uh, running for president. I mean, I mean, the, the idea he's not the answer. I mean, I mean, hello, um, should um, should Edward Snowden be uh, pardoned uh, for revealing what people needed to know about intelligence surveillance in America? Yeah. Julian Assange, should he be uh, pardoned for um, putting out information that people need to know? Oh, yeah, says the alternative media, says the mainstream alternative media. So why didn't Trump do it when he had the chance at the end of his first period in office? Mm -hmm. He pardoned, as presidents can in that last period, um, a a load of crooks, (laughs) a load of crooks, including the the father of his... um, son-in-law, um, Yarid Kushner, he never pardoned Assange and he never pardoned Snowden. And who was still defending the jab after the data came out of, of its effect on people in death and health destruction? Donald Trump. Don't claim that he's an answer to anything. He's not. He's part of the problem, just like all the other um, main chances in, um, in, in, in politics. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, okay, so... Trump got in for four years, uh, made no difference basically in terms of the the agenda. It still went on. Um, and now they want him back in again. Um, but that's in, in so many ways, it's a diversion of attention. And you think Alex shouldn't have fell for that? It, 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 it's up to Alex Jones what he does. On, on Iconic um, our media platform, it's the shows that, um, or really going deep in the rabbit hole, really going out there, like some of the stuff I've talked about today, but I could talk about a lot more. Um, that's what they want. That's the ones on Iconic that get the biggest audiences. Because people want that. And there's this barrier, which is just, yeah, yeah. And he said to me, what about Trump? Oh, yeah, Biden and stuff. And, and it, it's, it's holding it back. And I, I don't think it's a good thing at all. The, the trouble with um, the 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 barricade brigade of here and no further is they don't have the big picture. And until they do, um, then they'll increasingly be a block on understanding rather than a vehicle for it. I think that's a great point way to end it. Big thank you to David Ike for being here. We'd love to get you on again every single time. There's always more left to uncover oh, yeah. because you've been doing it, like you said, 34 years? 34th year I'm in now, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, for anyone who wants to buy uh, David Ike's new book, uh, The Dream. The Dream. It's out now. Oh. Uh, David uh, com will get you that. Brilliant. And um, we'll put that in the link in the description below. If anyone wants to check it out any further, and I'm looking forward to having David on again. Big thank you to David Ike. Always a pleasure, Brian. Cheers, mate.